Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, Ironman champion, PhD in women's history, and founder and CEO of Feisty Media. I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. So I chat with experts, elite athletes, and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up. If you don't subscribe to our women's performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hi, feisty friends. I have an amazing episode for you today with, and you know it's good, you know it's going to be good because this is the first time, I believe it's the first time that I have had a guest return for a second recording. So I did feel like the first time I recorded with Elizabeth, uh, we didn't we didn't get even to half the stuff we had to talk about. And I feel like we took a, another small bite off that today. Um, but very, very excited about this episode. So Elizabeth Impine is a certified sports nutritionist. She holds an ISSN plant-based nutrition certification. She has this list of qualifications. It's amazing. She has a master's of applied exercise science in sports nutrition and a bachelor of science in biochemistry from the university of California, Santa Barbara as well as another master's in multicultural education and curriculum development. And all of those things actually, like you can hear how they play into our conversation today um, in the way that she, for example, the way that she discusses uh, the relationships with food that people have from various different cultural backgrounds who are also athletes. Um, It's very interesting. Uh, She has helped countless professional and elite competitors and teams, recreational athletes and coaches and organizations with with all manner of nutrition, high performance, and wellness goals. Elizabeth was also a former NCAA Division I distance swimmer and water polo player. Elizabeth and I, and we talk about this a little bit during the interview, have been working together on Fueled, our first feisty course that is currently on sale. Elizabeth provided all the quality nutrition information for the course, along with our exercise physiologist, Alex, and our sports psychologist, Erin. So today, Elizabeth and I talk about the reasons why athletes, both elite and amateur, seek out the help of a a nutritionist. I was kind of wondering, like, why do various people come to you and what types of help uh, they need? And so I asked her about the general trends she sees with the people she works with. And then we talked about like the emotional work of figuring out our relationship with food and why she sometimes feels like, and and she was quite serious about this, sometimes feels like she needs a degree in counseling to help people better. We chat about everything she has learned about the cultural influences on food choices and family expectations. And then we actually both open up a little bit about our own relationship, our own kind of emotional relationship with food. And then finally, we chat all about supplements and what we should be taking. 
So wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, so happy to have you back on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It is. I love being on your podcast. I'm excited to be here. Anxious for our like it, our conversation. I love knowing but not knowing what's going to come up. <laughs> knowing but not knowing. I said the questions ahead of time, but that is true. Like you never really know where we're going to end up. I think last time you're the. I think you might be the first person who's been on the podcast twice. <gasps> yes. Congratulations. <laughs> it's that's actually a huge honor in my book. Like, because you see, you know, like repeat guests, it means I'm doing something right. So as a someone that loves these kinds of uh kudos, I, it is an honor and a privilege to be back for the second time. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I am also glad that it's you. Um, and we've been working on a project. I feel like I've seen you quite a few times talk to you um over email a lot the last few weeks because we've been working on the field course and you've of course been putting together that important sixth module about you know with the fueling plan um, or ha helping people put together their actual fueling plan uh, but and the reason we asked you basically is because i know you've worked with a lot of athletes right yes yes um, all ages all genders all backgrounds a t all sports a ton of, of different athletes which is amazing it's a privilege yeah and it's your experience that really like is coming comes to the fore also in the um in the course man my brain's not working um but i i wanted to okay there's so many things i want to talk about let's talk first about like how many of the athletes like why do why do athletes come to you why does someone say hey i need to get a nutritionist you know what are what are some of the typical reasons that they'll come to ask your advice so most like the biggest group are there's so much information out there i'm confused i have oh. no idea how to understand put it all together like mm -hmm. do i do this do i do that do i fast do i carb load do, it, they're like overburdened and overwhelmed and they just need someone to like sift through the noise and give them the kind of the essentials. so i'd say that's like the biggest group of people and then the other two groups are my type a's i can relate to that want to do everything exactly right. And if they're going to spend their time doing it, it doesn't surprise me in endurance sports, but if they're going to um, be doing it, they want to know, like, I don't want to waste my time. I want to do it this way. And so tell, like, help me know what exactly is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then another group would be, they really, really want to make a change, whether it's because they know they need to for a health reason or for performance reasons, and they need, help or accountability or someone someone to listen like i'm genuinely considering going back and getting some kind of a psychology therapy degree oh. because, and and i yes, and i, mean I believe that, that. In, the best, in the best way possible mm -hmm. yeah. uh, i have learned that this job is equal parts nutrition and therapy at the same time and so people want someone that they feel safe with, that they can talk to about food, diet, body expectations, men and women, um, you know, health. Like if someone comes to me with a health concern, 
it's not, it's not just performance. They're like, you know, my doctor told me my cholesterol is bad and I'm going to die before my kids reach high school. Like, and they're emotional and vulnerable. And so they need someone that's, you know, they said, Oh my, you know, my doctor said I can go to this class and it's, and they're like, I don't want to go to a class. They're scared or they're like, how do I change stuff? So I think all of those needs combined is why people or, or coaches are like, my athletes need help. I get a lot of those. Like I I can only do so much. Will you please, (laughs) please, can I send them to you to have a talking to or yeah. So, yeah. Okay. As you're talking, I've written down three follow-up questions. So we're already like off. (laughs) The first question is going to take us an hour to get through. But like, I, you know, I was, you said at one point, like they come to you because they want to make a change, right? What are the changes? And then you gave an example there of someone having high cholesterol, but what are the various types of changes that people want to make um, in sports nutrition? Yeah. Uh, A lot want to just eat better. Mm. And better is different for everyone, but they, you know, they know, we all know like, oh yeah, I should have some fruit and vegetables and probably more protein in my diet. So they all know there's something there that they could be doing better. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to come from the vantage point of like, there's good, better, best. Clearly you're doing as good as you can with what you have and the time that you have and the resources, but yeah, I can help you refine better and best. Um, a lot of changes now I'm seeing that because I think we've been talking more about disordered eating, a lot of people are coming and saying, I know I'm not taking care of myself mm-hmm. or I know I'm not fueling afterwards properly. Can you help me change that? Um, a lot of people come and they just want someone to give them permission to pay attention to what they're eating. Mm. And it's like, they know they should, and they're, they can't do it until someone says, Hey, it's all right to make health a priority. It's all right to look at what you're, what you may be either depriving yourself of overindulging in not getting enough of and why, and like spend the time to make these changes, spend the money to make these changes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then some are just, you know, they feel they feel like crap. And they're like asking like how I should be able to feel better. I should be able to sleep. I shouldn't be constantly starving or I shouldn't feel so full after my one meal of the day that I just need to go take a nap. Like, so those kinds of changes also. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. There's, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, the therapy piece too, I'm very curious because I, I understand. And I think, and I've written even some marketing copy for the fueled course saying like, part of what we want to do is understand that eating can be emo- like, there's an emotional aspect to the psychology of eating, you know, like what are the various ways that you find people need that kind of emotional support in relation to the work that they do with you? So I, I think it's a little different between men and women, but in overall, I think because food is not just food to people, there's always, it's always about something else. So whether it's a cultural component, whether it's a, they were raised in a house where food was forbidden or food was treated as a reward, um, whether they grew up in a sport where food was either given 
in large amounts or removed in large amounts, like there's phobias around it. And then you throw in the fact that it's eating is such a natural biological process Mm -hmm. that people think like, it's just, I should be able to know what I have to eat when I have to eat it. I shouldn't need help eating. Right. And so they're coming like, I know I need help, but I don't want to ask about it or I don't want to seem stupid or uninformed or like childlike if I can't take care of my own basic physiological, biological needs. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I never would have thought about that. I I feel like it's, um, I don't know, it feels kind of obvious to me that we're in a, because of the way that we have so many different cultural messages about dieting and what, even when you said it should be obvious that we need to eat fruit and vegetables. I'm like, "Mm, I feel like fruit's been demonized a ton, you know, like if, or like, if you think of like the liver king and that whole kind of like meat only if anyone doesn't know what the liver king is definitely google it just for a laugh like <laughs> but and then but, also know that he was on taking steroids like taking steroids thousands of dollars of steroids a month to get his body to look that way as he was promoting a meat only diet just meat only diet like i can't my brain is like like <laughs> you know so i can see where it's like this is this is it's not it's not us as individuals, you know, it's a, it's a confusing environment, right? Like there's nothing yeah. wrong with needing help with this. Yeah, it is. It's, it's complicated. And then too, it, you add in like familial factors and um, cultural and religious factors. And, you know, at, like I just had athletes that were going through Ramadan. And so how then do you help advise someone when they have kind of religious obligations around fueling mm-hmm. and yet still support them and their nutritional needs? So it's not just a um, like treating a lack of or a confusion, but it's also learning to be respectful of other cultures and, and what foods they, you know, like, I don't know, uh, one of my um, uh, athletes from the Middle East, like I think I... I can't remember what it was that I suggested, but she was like, I'm not eating that. <laughs> and I went, <laughs> Oh, you know, of course, of course, you know, what like, like but I, mean, yeah. <laughs> and I, I am actually the kind of like, uh, that would tell you to go eat bacon because I love bacon. Right. <laughs> I, I don't think it was quite that crass of like asking her to eat pork, but it was something that she said culturally, like one, I couldn't find it where I live anyway, but you know, so it's being respectful in that way and finding a way to help people eat nutritiously through the foods that they like as a culture that they have access to that they can afford, but then also foods that they have in their religious traditions or foods that are celebrated. And, and so it's a complicated, but yet wonderful process, I think. Yeah, I remember I I am with the high school in the Middle East and and my family lived there for 20 years. And I can remember like even in high school, like in high school sports during Ramadan, we would we would only go to school half the day in Ramadan. Um, and then we'd have two full weeks off for Eid. In addition to like Easter off Christmas, like we had all this. We didn't go to school, basically. Um, but I can remember like a lot of the kids having like not being able to drink water after we played, you know, soccer in the sun for an hour and a half, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, this is so interesting. Like, 
Um, and you've done some work a little bit around this, like you've educated yourself around kind of diversity and different cultural, like what are some of the main things that you've learned there? Gosh. Um, so I think first unlearning all of my own biases was really, really important. And I think it's something that everybody, I mean, you, you should unlearn your own biases in all, like, let me just throw that out there in everything that you do, but especially when it comes to, to dieting, nutrition, um, my expectation that everybody had access and I, access to healthy, affordable foods that everybody is, was going to understand what, when I said a balanced plate meant, um, the time constraints placed on families, uh, and especially families living at or below the poverty line or, uh, you know, families that have different cultural traditions around festivals. And, you know, my family always did like a Sunday night family dinner, and that the way that that looked to me, like it was very nourishing, very filling, very fun foods. But in other cultures, family dinners are potluck style and different people are bringing different dishes and they might not be as healthy as I envisioned, you know, my family Sunday night dinners to be. And so I think unlearning everything that I expected or thought I knew, but then two, taking from that of going, okay, what messages about food are other cultures hearing? What are they being told? Um, you know, eating in some Asian cultures is very ceremonial. And so if I am trying to work on nutrient timing and I'm saying you need to eat, you know, you're doing your training session and you need to eat, you know, this, these types of foods in this amount of time and, the athlete is coming back to me saying, well, that's great, but that's a, those aren't the foods that we eat at this particular meal, or that's not the timing. So something that I wouldn't have considered something like that, something in, you know, uh, Hispanic traditions where it would be very, you know, or I guess any different cultural tradition, it would be very disrespectful to not eat all like it, everything mm -hmm. that you were served. And if I'm over here saying, you know, well, no, that's not good for you or no. And they're like, okay, so I'm going to offend Emma <laughs> right. and all of my aunties by not taking this because, and not that I ever tell people not to eat things, but I mean, it's just kind of an example of like learning, asking the right questions and really getting to know my athletes and their backgrounds and, and what things they come to understand and expect, I think is, is important. Mm hmm. That, yeah, that's super interesting. I, I can remember <laughs> that like various, it's like various things were coming to mind there. Like there is a lot, there are a lot, a lot of cultures in which like not finishing your plate is insulting to someone or like, you know, like my best friend growing up was Italian. I also dated an Italian guy for a while and it was literally like, what? You don't want my cookie? I'm like, I've had four of your cookie. <laughs> like, like, you're so skinny. Like, I'm just full. <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. I just had a lot of food. Thank you. Uh, you know, like, gosh, try to explain at like a family cookout that you are lactose intolerant and or allergic to dairy. And the amount of people that have been like, oh, you know, I've said this to people because I am allergic to dairy and they're like, oh, okay. So the mac and cheese then? And I'm like, 
no. <laughs> um, or, you know, or they're like, oh, you know, well, but I made cookies and I go, well, there's probably butter. It's like just, you know, people think whatever it is, what, like, and then they're like looking at you like you're putting them down. <laughs> <And> it's <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's not, it's not you. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and what do you tell people? Like, if you have someone who's like, say a performance athlete, like, what do you tell them then if that's their situation? Like how, what, how do they find a workaround? So first of all, I try to remind them that there's no such thing as a perfect meal, a perfect diet, a perfect plan. There has to be flexibility and the perfect, perfect plan for them might include partaking, hopefully it includes partaking in those family meals, in those ceremonial traditions. And so we look at kind of the bigger picture. Oh, if this is what, I don't know, breakfast is going to look like, or if this is what your Saturday looks like, here's what we do on Monday through Friday. And because let's be honest, one meal or not having one food group in their diet is not the end all. It's not going to ruin their performance. Like there are so many different kinds of foods and so many different vitamins and minerals and things and combinations that there's no, you know, I think I had someone once be like, well, I don't like, there's not, I don't like protein powder. So I don't think I'll ever be able to you know, I'm not going to get my protein needs. And I remember thinking like, well, first of all, we can probably find one that you like. There are a ton, but second of all, just because you don't have this one thing that you think every, every athlete uses religiously, doesn't like automatically disqualify you from participating in the world of endurance sports. So I, I try to remind them here are the workarounds let's, you know, if, if dinner, which I would tell anybody, if you know, you're going out to a special birthday dinner, and you want to be you, like, you don't want to have to eat according to a meal plan. Great. Breakfast and lunch. We'll load those up. So we know you've got the important things in for the day. And then you go in. So I would, it's basically the same advice I would give to anyone. It's just, let's practically find a way to make it work. There's always a way to make it work. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Would you say that you have a good relationship with food? <laughs> How would you describe that? I, I really, that's just something I've been asking myself. So I'm going to answer it too, but like, I just, I'm like, what is, like, what is my relationship with food? How would I, t- tell me yours. Mm, that's so tricky. That's so tricky. It's so much, it's so much better than it used to be. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, I have always, and my family can attest this. I have always loved food. I was a child that loved to eat. Um, you know, food was always a very big part of our family of gatherings, church potlucks, whatever. Um, So there was never stigma around it. I was lucky, lucky enough to grow up in a house where diet wasn't talked about. My mother, my like female influence, her body was always her body. Um, I wasn't taught to like compare my body with other people's body. So I had such a healthy and I was, a, it was like a swimmer in a water polo player. You could not feed us enough food. Like luckily in that generation, I know it's different now, but in my generation, they were just feeding us all the time. So there was nothing negative around food. And then once kind of my disordered eating started, then food took on a different meaning. It was control. It was punishment. There were, even though I knew better 
in my head, I was like, that food's a no, that that's like, I started setting rules around food and I started demonizing food Mm -hmm. and I would use it for different things. And then as I came out of that and realized how much better I felt with food and how good, like I, I found food, like all the foods that either I wasn't eating or was eating very rarely, I started enjoying those again. So I think now there's, I don't have off limit foods. I don't um, punish or reward myself with food. Um, I still, there's always, I think, little tiny elements of anxiety or that voice in my head. Like if, you know, someone's like, oh, you have to try, like, this is the best donut shop in Encinitas. Let's go get donuts. There's always this little voice that's like, do you need a donut? Mm. And it goes away quickly now. (laughs) Right. Just go have a freaking donut. Like, uh, uh, fine. But there's still a little voice or there's still, if I go out and eat with a group of women, there's still that first, can I eat what I actually want? Or do I have to do that thing that we all do where we survey what the other women are eating? (laughs) And like, is it okay that I get the burger and fries when everyone else here is getting a salad? Am I going to feel like the pig or the gluttonous person for getting, which is silly, but I know that we do it. I know there are women that are listening that go, oh yeah, I, I socially check mm-hmm. what I want to pick off of a menu based on what other people eat. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, sometimes like, oh, I'm going to be wearing something like tight or restrictive later. Uh, maybe I should eat a little less. Or So there's, I think, always little elements but it's, it's so much easier to like talk myself back in. And right. Stuff. Yeah. Like, so you're like, it's, I feel like that's anything, anything you're trying to change in your mindset is like the, the time between when you first think the thing that you don't want to think to when you can pull yourself back. Like as long as that time is getting shorter and shorter feels yeah. like that's the right yeah. track, like whether it's about eating or anything else. Do you find with your relationship with food that it's, changed and how so now that you're not a professional triathlete yeah I might mine like my journey has like had dramatic change like I would say yeah I would say my relationship with food now is like very very good you know um and I don't really have like is it something it wouldn't be something I would like focus on for improvement there'd be other things like (laughs) (laughs) that wouldn't be my number one choice but I like I did come through and I've talked about this before on the podcast like I did have like significant kind of disordered eating as a teenager in a in an attempt to I wasn't involved in elite level sport again that was like from I had been but when we moved to the Middle East I wasn't anymore so I was trying to like control my body you know Mm -hmm. and what I looked like um and then I think I went through a small phase in my 20s where I was um I was pretty happy you know what I think my um, like I naturally am pretty good at like my appetite. Like I'm hungry now. This is how much I need to eat. And then shutting it down. Like I noticed that like where it's like, once I'm full, I'm like, I don't want anything else. Like you can't convince me. My friend, I remember in university, like I was like 19 years old and she used to put, she put like a, she thought it was so funny. She put like a little candy in front of me. <laughs> She's like, come on, Sarah, you can do it. I'm like, but really, I'm like, I could physically eat that. Like, I have no problem with it. But like, once I'm full, like, I literally don't want that candy. Whereas like, I wanted it before when I was hungry or if I was craving sweet or something, you know? So like, I've always had that. But then 
I think the main thing for me is like that, the fact that like, I don't know when I started to have like, I don't know how celiac disease develops. Honestly, I don't know. But like, when I look back, I'm like, I was for a long time experiencing fatigue and gut issues and like for over a decade. Okay. Um, And that, and because my gut wasn't like, like I wasn't absorbing food properly, right? Like everything feels chaotic for quite yeah. and the whole first half of my triathlon career was like this weird, like it didn't, sometimes it didn't matter. Like if I ate a lot or a little, like I would still feel pain, discomfort. Like my body would be, I would be kind of like, look like bloated. Do you know that? Do you know what I mean yeah. by that? Like I would look bloated and then yeah. not, and then like random shit, like, but I mean, the bloated isn't the worst of it. Like <laughs> The, like, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> the fatigue, the fatigue is the fatigue and feeling like you have the flu. But when that creeps in on you slowly, you don't realize. And I was training for professionally to try to win Ironman, which like there's a lot of fatigue anyway. Um, and so then when I realized I had I had a, um, a naturopathic doctor actually say, like, you seem like you're having symptoms of of being like uh, intolerant to gluten or celiac, like try not eating gluten. And I tried five days later, like my life changed. Wow. I suddenly had, and it was the energy. That's the main thing. Like I had energy again. I stopped having stabbing pain in my guts. Um, those were the two main ones. So I think coming out of that, I had so much like joy around like being able to like, you know, have that feeling again of like, I feel hungry. I'm going to eat. Now I feel full. Like food was something that I enjoyed again. And it all, like, it made sense. I don't know if that's, like, the right, but, like, somehow this connection between, like, the food, what I'm putting in my body and what's happening all made sense. Um, And I have never stopped. Like, I I realized I was celiac just after my daughter was born. She's 12 now. So 11, 12 years ago, like, and I still haven't forgotten that. Like, I'm still, like, so grateful that, like, we. I bet there are people who live their whole lives with celiac disease that don't know. Um, and so I'm just like, you know what, like, this is amazing. (laughs) Uh, and so for that reason, I also, and also it like, it healed a lot of that relationship with food of like, um, cause it made sense. Like everything, I feel like I'm sorry, I'm just rambling a little bit here, but I'm struggling for a way to describe like how food started to make sense when it didn't like previously it had been chaotic. I couldn't stop the symptoms that I was having if I didn't eat and I couldn't stop them if I did eat. And it just was like, ah, what's happening? (laughs) Um, So it sounds like you're relating to the helplessness that a lot of people feel and frustration around food, whether it's because you are actually sick and have something that food is doing, or because a lot of people haven't found the answer to how food can help. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're like, all I'm feeling is it's hurting, whether I eat too much, too little, whether I eat this, whether I eat that, it just hurts. Mm-hmm. And you got the answer as to how it heals. And so I think the more that we can let people know and the more that people see in all contexts, whether it's, it's hurting them because they're eating the wrong things or because they're not eating enough or because they're eating too much, whatever it is, because food is so powerful in a lot of ways, uh, that until that relationship changes, that's when you 
make that realization. And I think you did of, of kind of coming out of the other side and then appreciating food for what it can do for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't train that much anymore. I don't have that many extra needs, if that makes sense. Like I don't end up in huge caloric deficits where I do take like a protein and carb drink after my CrossFit workout in the morning or my lifting. And then that's it. Like that's the only additional thing that I do. I do take some supplements, which I do want to talk about. Um, But, uh, and then I can just eat the rest of the day, like a normal human, right? I can, (laughs) I know what healthy food is. I could just eat it like a regular portion until I feel full. It's so freeing, you know? And I think that's because you've seen it because I felt it. That's something that I just wish people could feel and know. I, it's like the satisfaction that comes from eating, gosh, like something as simple as like a bowl of oatmeal in the morning or something for lunch that and knowing I feel good, I have energy, I'm taking care of my body, there's no anxiety around it, there's no stress, it was just food, I feel good, on to the next. It doesn't have to be this all-encompassing obsession 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I totally agree. And, and I think when you like food, you like your body a little bit more too, and mm-hmm. vice versa. When you don't like food and you're at war with your body, you're at war with food. Like there's a very big connection between body image, body satisfaction and food satisfaction. And Oh, that's interesting. Cause that has proven to be true, but it's for me, but I'm, that's really cool that it's actually that you find it because you work with a lot of people. So yeah, um, Yeah. that's cool. Like one could beget the other in a way, like if you, you know, do you think that you have a different relationship with your body now that you have a different relationship with food? Yes. And with, and with exercise too, because like, let's be honest, like training for Ironman as a pro, it's like, you're over-exercising like for, you know what I mean? Like you're doing something that's, it's like difficult to keep up. You're hungry all the time. You know, like I didn't, I don't naturally want to eat like 4,000 calories a day. Like, that's just like, that's just not fun. (laughs) It sounds fun, but it's not. No, it's hard. It's hard to do. Yeah. So it's like just having for me, having those things in the right place. Like exercise has the right box, <laughs> right? which is, turns out is an hour a day. <laughs> yeah. Um, it would be, I would be very hard pressed to go back to like 20 hours a week of Ironman training. Like, first of all, I don't know where I would fit it in. Mm-hmm. And also I would like, gosh, that I love my life now of my runs or bikes or water polo games or especially mm. sessions at the gym. I would be so sad to have to like give those up or change or anyway. Yeah. yeah. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. 
Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule. How much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. As a lifelong runner and triathlete turned CrossFitter, I am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand Tafosi Optics has joined us as a partner here at Feisty Media. Tafosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They're shatterproof poly bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you're moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. No matter what sport you do, Tafosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tafosioptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in Feisty Media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at tafosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male biased industry. Hedda's have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. 
I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. Totally. Okay, I we've we've only got a few minutes left, and I know lots of people have the same question that I do, like about supplements, um, in particular for women and for active women. Like, what are the things that you recommend if we're looking to like ha- take maybe have a few supplements in our world, but not necessarily like have a lineup of pills <laughs> to take? But you don't want a pill box uh, <laughs> that you're like filling out. <laughs> uh, you don't want to spend hundreds of dollars a month. Um, so first I'm going to preface this with saying, please get blood work done. I don't care where, you know, I know we both like inside tracker, but get it done. Your healthcare practitioner or something for health purposes, you should know what's going on. You should not be just taking supplements that you don't need. Um, and you shouldn't have to waste money on things that you think everybody else is taking and, and that you need also. So if you can do that, start with that. When we look at females, female athletes in particular, there are some commonalities in vitamin and mineral deficiencies. So vitamin D is in just about every athlete that I see and in the greater population at large is a very common deficiency. It's a relatively inexpensive pill. Vitamin D toxicity is pretty hard to reach, um, especially if you're supplementing with it at, at very normal to low levels. Um, we found that even if you're outside a lot, which is the best way to get vitamin D, you're a lot of people still aren't meeting that need. So I feel fairly safe in saying vitamin D three, uh, between a thousand, like a thousand IU. If you haven't got your blood work done, if you have, and you know, you're deficient 5,000 or 10,000, and then you can take that for 30 to 60 days every day, and then retest and potentially dial that back depending on your deficiency level. How does a vitamin D deficiency show up? Like, would you notice something? Um, potentially. So, uh, loss of energy, lethargy, um, some studies now are showing like a link with depression and I can definitely tell in my own like mood, vitamin D is very much a depressive factor. If you, if you know, you don't eat if you know you're not outside a lot and you don't eat a lot of either vitamin D fortified foods, you can kind of probably make the assumption. Um, if you are continually getting stress fractures, any kind of bone injury, um, muscular injuries, uh, if you're not recovering from your training, those are all things to, to look at for sure. Um, so that's definitely one that I say is standard in female athletes, low, low iron levels, we see that a lot uh, for two reasons. One, female athletes are less likely to eat large quantities of red meat or any like iron containing foods. It's just less likely in our diet. Um, more female athletes are plant-based or are afraid of the saturated fats or fats in red meat. And so they stay, even if they like meats, they're staying away from them. And then you have, you add our monthly cycle you add that a sport like running does help or does deplete iron love there to iron. So I would say looking into an iron supplement again, 
that one I would say try to test first, but it's a fairly standard blood test that they'll include in most panels. So it, it's, it's, it's easier to get than like a full hormone panel or something. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, for plant-based athletes, the B vitamin series is especially important B12 specifically, but, um, it's another one that we get from animal foods mostly. So that's a common deficiency I see. And then personally, because I've seen a lot of athletes with gut issues, I think a probiotic is important. It's mixed on the actual efficacy of different probiotics. We're learning more every day of like how long they're actually effective for. If they do what they're supposed to do in your gut, if it like every food and yogurt now actually, you know, they tell you like here, especially it drives me crazy. One's designed for women, like, like, it's a yogurt. Don't put a pink ribbon on it and say, you're trying to help me with my health. Like it, and give me a subpar probiotic. Like you need multiple strains. You need to put right. So that, that could be a whole different discussion, but a pro a good probiotic. I personally take and recommend a good omega-3 product. There are plant-based options. There are marine options. Um, a, a very affordable and easy test to do is an omega-3 index test. If you want to play lab scientist on yourself at home, which I love to do, you order it from, you get it from the drugstore, order it on Amazon. It's like a finger prick. You send it back two weeks later. They'll tell you what your omega-3, omega-6 is. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. You're naming all the things that I take. That's fantastic. fantastic. And you know, you know, our, like one of our sponsors for the show, Prevenix, like that's because, and the reason I started taking all these things is because he sent me, you know, like this complete, and he had done all the research around like what has good efficacy, like what we should take. And so I just like believed him. <laughs> I feel pretty good. <laughs> so, and now it's totally like backing it up based on what you're saying. I'm like, oh yeah, these are all the ones because he kind of refuses to make a supplement that doesn't have good science behind it, you know, which I, which of Gosh, course, bless him. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Like we appreciate it so much. Like, cause that's at Feisty, that's what we're kind of promising is like, we're going to try to weed through all the bullshit um, as much as we can. And science changes, of course. So it's like, right. Yeah. Evolving. We learn. Yeah. And I think one other magnesium for athletes specifically, because it helps with sleep and we know how powerful sleep is uh, for healing and growth and longevity, but also for muscle fatigue. A lot of times I'll get athletes that are like, I just feel my body feels awful all the time, or my muscles are tired. And I go, Oh, let's talk about magnesium here. Are the foods you can find it in, but also if you're not regularly putting those foods into your diet, it's an easy, it's affordable. It really does. It really can help you to feel better. So I would say that for athletes specifically is something. And then I don't know that everyone calls this a supplement and it's not a pill, but we've, I know you and I have talked about it. Creatine. I'm going to preach it from the rooftop. Please put it into your routine, your diet. Uh, it's easy. It's odorless. It's colorless. Uh, it can go and mix in with your water or your juice or your smoothie or whatever. Yeah. And it's a game changer for women. I wish I had taken it sooner. You know, like I started taking it because I had perimenopause symptoms and I wasn't able to work out as hard, which was, which meant that my, um, 
what's the word? Response like work work concept is good that was affecting my mood. So I had this like downward spiral going on. And I think you had mentioned creatine last time we talked, but I also but Celine also said like try that for that specific problem. Celine Yeager, who does our hip clean out pause podcast, said like try creatine for that because it will help you it might help you get a little more intensity out of your workouts and just stop that downward. You know, it also helped with my brain fog for perimenopause, um, which was like completely, I didn't even know until she told me and I took, took it and it worked. Yeah. It's, I recommend, I mean, I have my parents on it. I have uh, for that very reason, the brain fog dementia piece, we're now finding its benefits for depression, PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, like the, the military population and special forces that I work with. So not endurance athletes, a whole different group. That's the first thing I talk to them about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're just, just on the like tip of the iceberg of the benefits of creatine. Amazing. So, yeah. Get in well, well, Elizabeth, this has been amazing. I wish we could do this every week, <laughs> but Who says we can't? We could. <laughs> it's your podcast. We can do whatever we want. If you want to hear from Elizabeth every week. Oh gosh. Sorry. Vote now. Vote now. <laughs> Hold on. Let me, my mom is, is calling in. She would like this. That's, that's who wants to hear every week. Other than that, probably. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the work that you do um, for your help with the fueled course. Where can people follow you? Uh, so my own personal Instagram is just my last name at Inpine. That's very easy, uh, for the Fuelin app that Scott and Jonathan and I have worked on, get Fuelin on social media, um, pretty active on Twitter, which I know is like an old person thing now (laughs) Find me there because I still feel like I can educate people. Yeah. That's why I like that. Um, I write a lot of articles, training peaks a lot for them. Um, yeah, I would say that's and and on awesome podcasts like this with you when I get the opportunity to just talk. So awesome. Thank well, thank you so much. Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year, and in combination with eating quality protein and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. AminoCo has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with AminoCo Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% 
and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code performance to save 30%. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% Mulberry Silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there.